we're thinking about gods today because we're watching Thor. Um, if you were a god or goddess, what would you be a god or goddess of? Um, karaoke. Oh my god, really? That's a very powerful god, right? Because you have the power to um, inspire, but also shame. That is, that is a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's true, because I could be like, you know, maybe you will step up and you'll sacrifice your singing voice and... I don't know what else you'd sacrifice. So you're you? Ursula. You're yeah. Ursula Witch. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what I'm doing. But yeah, sacrifice your dignity. And then maybe I'll reward you with like pride because you've done a really good job. Or mm. I'll smite you with like giving you a Celine Dion song to do. So uh, how would people make offerings to you? Would they come and sing in your presence? I think so. Or they could leave like a little um, plate of cheese and crackers by a microphone for me. Cheese and crackers, or like you know, a whole tray of um, apple sour shots. That's good That's too. You... But I do like cheese, you know. So maybe I could have both. Because I was looking at actual gods that exist, and I was like, "Oh, I like what's her name, um, Seshat, goddess of wisdom." I was like, "I'm pretty wise, but I, I do think I'd be better at the karaoke." Seshat, where's where, where's Sash, Seshat from? Egypt? It sounds Egyptian. Yeah, I feel like it's Egypt. I've got like a list of knowledge deities, actually. Ooh. and you are knowledgeable I as a Marvel scholar there's a lot there's, there's like, would you like African through to Turco-Mongol mythology <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a big range that's a huge range but yeah I think that would be me or I could be all dog um, like a god of rescue animals that'd be quite nice too that would be cute and people would bring like a rescue animal to you but obviously not sacrifice them because that would be that would be kind of counterproductive I guess I would smite them for that, yeah. No, I would, I would rescue, rescue, they would bring me the rescue dogs and I would find them a good home. Can I say, I, I would not worship you if you were a goddess of karaoke because I hate, hate karaoke. I really, yeah. really like it, no. And let me tell you why I don't like it. It's because I like the idea of like singing fun songs and being drunk and, you know, sticking on my heart will go on and everyone kind of waving their arms, the key change and all that sort of thing. But there's always one person in a karaoke party who just does not get karaoke. Like they love it, they love karaoke, but they don't get what's a karaoke song, what is not a karaoke song. So they'll start putting songs on the list and they'll be like, oh, I love Bruce Springsteen. Let's put some Bruce Springsteen on. I'm like, Bruce Springsteen, you don't sing karaoke to <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. You get your Whitney Houston, you get your Celine Dion, you get your Ariana Grande, you get those songs that you cannot sing for life at all and that's what you do in karaoke i was at one like that and this guy just kicking up putting on songs that no one ever heard of before like um well people, songs you have heard so you did like lots of r&b and i was like strange r&b that i'd not heard like not the classics Absolutely. and then he did the wurzels but not wurzels i know new wurzel stuff so i was like no this isn't what people want you need the sort of songs everyone knows the words to you need bohemian rhapsody yes you need um uh, yeah, Abba. I will always love you, and you need nine to five, and you need Abba. ain't it funny and Abba, and yeah, that's what you need. Uh, the, ain't you, it funny is such a good song. <laughs> ain't it funny is a perfect karaoke song because it's it's got quite complex lyrics, but everyone remembers them because they're re it's a really well written song. Maybe you could be so you know like there's always a god, and then there's always the like a sort of partner god, like the anti god, almost like god of death, god of life, blah blah. blah. Like like Aphrodite and Eros, Cupid's. Yeah, you could be karaoke but you could be the punisher of people who do not are you sending me out as your little minion 
Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm you're, you're Hades and I'm Pain and Panic. Yay! You could be yeah. both. Well, unless you want to be a different god. I have just given you a role. Well, my god, I decided I would love to be the god of gossip. Nice. Like, so when people come make offerings to me, they'll come like, I don't know, with like a bunch of flowers or some nice coffee or tea or something, you know, bottle of gin. And, um, and they'll be like, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, great God of gossip. And then they'll go, did you hear what so-and-so did three times behind the, behind the bike shed? <laughs> and I'll just be like inside my little statue or, I don't know, somehow connected to the temple, you know, with my ear out, like, ooh, and writing it all down in a big sort of immortal blog, like a gossip girl kind of blog. Oh my God, amazing. Well, you could just be like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. You're just you, like, this is how you get all your gossip. And then you wander around town like, what? Who's I have a projected me? face going, tell me all your gossip. And then the curtain <laughs> arrives. And I'm like, hello. <laughs> I'm turning a wheel to get the smoke out. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Gossip is a really good one, actually. Because you could run like a magazine based on that. Mm, yeah. And there'll be all sorts of legends about like the dangers of gossip. But also the benefits of gossip. Which are what? They spark joy if you don't like the person being gossiped about. If the person being gossiped about deserves it because they're like racist or something. I actually know that there are some benefits to gossip. Because I had to write an article about why we care so much about the royal baby or the evolutionary thing um, being into gossip because it mean, it's like it makes you more intelligent because you're aware of your social status and where everyone is and what's going on it's like being the meerkat but socially well there we go i don't think we're very noble gods but we're there but the noble ones are the ones who are fake like zeus is all noble but he like rapes lots of women well as a horse or a boar or something as a horse a boar a swan i think it's a swan at one point or a goose. i know imagine that that'd be awful weird weird and like yeah i wouldn't be wouldn't be a noble one i'd be one of the fun ones yeah, like, oh, who's the really fun one? The one of wine, God of... Bacchus or Dionysus, depending on whether you're Greek or Roman. Yeah, like, he's in Fantasia. He looks like he's having a great time. Mm, mm. I his little donkey. Love it. But he's also, I think he's meant to be quite, like, dangerous in a way. He's one that people revere him, but also it's a, the people are afraid of him because he can take away your self-control and your um, being in touch with the world. There's some element of that. I can't quite remember. There was something about that. I guess, actually, if you think about it, all the Greek gods would need, like, a massive update for nowadays anyway. So gossip would be a really good one. I think Is Terry would have to expand to general drunken merriment. There might be a god of gossip. Let me see if there is one. Because they had lots of, like, minor gods as well. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Like, little mini... I'm going to look it up as well. There won't be a god of karaoke, but it might be a god of music. There we go. Themey, goddess of gossip. P-H-E-M-E. Themey is the goddess of gossip and fame. Of fame? Mm. Amazing. Oh, guess what? Apollo is the god of music and dance. Oh, that's but nice. he also He also gets yeah. archery, truth, prophecy, healing, diseases, the sun, poetry, and more. They all have you know, various things associated with them. It's like the patron saints in Catholicism. Like, they're patron saint of one thing, but they're also patron saint of a hundred other things. Multitasking. It's very good. Mm. You can't just be patron saint of one thing. You know, you've got to fill up your 35-hour week or 40-hour exactly. week. And they were more twenty four seven for these guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they work hard. They were. Don't look down on these patron saints. No. Well, there we go. Done. I'll be Apollo's new replacement. Definitely, and I'll be Themi's new replacement. Love it. 
Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. Speaking of gods, I watched Thor for the very first time this week. And did you, did, I know, he's got such a hard name to say. I find when I'm tired, which I am, I can't do the TH sounds. So I've been dreading this whole oh, morning. I'm like, oh, oh. I'm, not so I'm, really, I'm just going to avoid saying his name. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, who, I don't know, works out for like 23 hours a day or something crazy like that, I believe. Oh, yeah, and he eats a lot of eggs and chickens well not whole chickens but you know he did do a really high protein bulk diet to keep that body you basically just eat chicken and my favorite bit you know the scene where he's topless i'm sure you do yeah so i was watching it idiot question i know chris was like oh this bit is where his eyebrows really look bad and i was like his eyebrows (laughs) what do you mean i don't i can't see eyebrows right now but i did like but he's because he's big and hulking and muscular and stuff but there were the two guys who are in one of the upcoming ones um who were it was rob delaney one of them but they had to bulk up for it mm. and they talked on instagram about how it's such an unrealistic body image because you have to work out constantly you cannot stop if, if you you can work out and have the diet to reach that state but it goes away within days if you don't keep it up and it just yeah. takes away your life and I was like, that's quite refreshing to hear that, actually. And I think we need to start having more superheroes with more average bodies. Because the sort of strength that Thor has could be represented by someone who's, you know, bulky, but not necessarily muscular. Like the mountain from Game of Thrones. Mm, perfect example, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess this guy's a literal god, so he's not supposed to be realistic. This was my confusion uh, coming into this film, was that he's a god. He's not someone, he's not some average Joe like Bruce Banner or whatever, who wakes up one day and is like, I'm a scientist and I've invented something that makes me do this. And, you know, and he's, a, he's literally a god. So surely he can just like click his fingers and be like, the enemy has gone. But apparently he can't do that. No. <laughs> well, they're not like god gods, are they? I think, I think they kind of explain in the film themselves. They're like, ah, a primitive, you know, Nordic races would have believed that they were gods when really they're sort of just very powerful humanoid aliens. I guess I'm basing it on, I, I, I obviously grew up um, knowing more about either the sort of Christian or Jewish gods and the Greek gods who are like, I'm displeased with you, so I turn you into a snail or a pillar of salt or something like that. And I guess in different cultures, gods have slightly different functions and different levels of power, in inverted commas. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess it's just how those primitive races will have interpreted their powers because they've got, like, the rainbow bridge and they've got the hammer. I loved the rainbow bridge. I was like, what is this? Fucking Mario Kart. (laughs) It's a rainbow road. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm jumping ahead here because I've gone towards naked Chris Hemsworth and obviously that derails any conversation. We're going to have to try and make sure we don't go on a tangent about naked Chris Hemsworth too much, don't we? Well, okay, so let's go back to the beginning. And it starts off in New Mexico, which we talked about in the previous episode, because in the post credit sequence, I did not realise that was Thor's hammer in the ground. In the magic stick, yeah. It was magic, I thought it was magic stick. Um, and we've got Natalie Portman and her team, Stellan Skarsgård, and the, I can't remember the actress's name, but she's the one in Two Broke Girls, isn't she? Cat Cat Dennings. And they're like chasing a storm, mm-hmm. and then their car gets hit by um, a very large muscular man. And then we go back in time, which I find jarring, actually. It was jarring. I thought, because it suddenly stopped. And then it went into the old Anthony Hopkins being like, in the beginning, there were nine realms or something yeah. like that. And I, I was like, this is usually how a film starts, is this kind of monologue. I don't know that we even needed the bit beforehand to explain Natalie Portman and her team, because it becomes clear they could have just started from, you know, Anthony Hopkins' little speech and then done him being hit by the car later, because you kind of get quickly who they are. Yeah, and it was it went from this sort of normality, this sort of, the scene that we could identify with through to this sudden very long monologue about this world and the legends and stuff which I did not follow at all I was like so there's lots of fighting yep. between, between big vikingy guys gods and some kind of like white walker prototype yep you know what they're like they just no one wants to be friendly <laughs> I, I just I called them frosties they're frosty like the main, the main head, the king guy of, of the of the icy people. He's frosty. No, it does suit him actually. And and it, it this oh, this went on a bit. And so they presented Asgard, which is that world. Yeah. And then Valhalla is the hall that they have the food in. Yeah. Yeah, all the pumpkins on the table. The I found it hilarious. Yeah. He just flipped the table and it was only pumpkins. I was like, well, what kind of feast is this? It's terrible. Well, he probably moved off all like the precious silver and stuff. So he doesn't want to break that. Yeah. That's his mum's best china that she keeps in the top shelf of the cabinet. <laughs> just leave the squashes. Yeah. <laughs> they can squash. That's fine. So Odin, who is Anthony Hopkins, yeah. defeated the Frosties, but... Then the Frosties then sneak in and they're trying to steal like a blue glowy thing. Yeah, the Tesseract. What's the Tesseract? Well, I don't want to spoil it because that comes up in other films. So they don't even explain what the Tesseract is. It's just like, oh no, the blue glowy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Not the powerful blue glowy thing. And they had these utterly appalling child actors as Thor and Loki. And the one who plays Thor is like, Father, I will smite them. Rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, Odin, you need to have a quick chat with this child because he's got like violent tendencies. He does, doesn't he? And then later on, when Thor's all like jingoistic and gung ho and stuff, and Odin's, you know, how dare you behave like that and stuff, I'm like, surely you realize this when as a child he's talking about killing people, a small child killing people. Nip it in the bud at the time. Don't just brush past it and be surprised when it pops up later. I can't. I can't, I genuinely can't believe this. He's talking about murdering people. Yeah. people. He's, he acts like he's really shocked. And I'm like, you, it was obvious from childhood. <laughs> yeah. Poor Anthony Hopkins is to, so typecast as wise old man now. I think he likes it though. They, I think he said before, like, I took the role, didn't know anything about it. I just like the father-son relationship and he really related to Odin. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. 
he is a wise old man. I'm a wise thinking old back, man. Thinking back to his time when he was an immortal god and some big. He, he he always plays these characters now. That's what this this guy won an Oscar for being Hannibal Lecter, and now he's like he's the one who turns up and goes, "My son, you must do this and that, and this you must follow this path and this map, and I'm going to give you all the background information we need in this fantasy world." Yeah, I quite like to see him play Father Christmas. Silence of the Lambs fans would find that weird, though. He could be sort of an evil Father Christmas. An evil Father Christmas. <laughs> like the Krampus. Anyway, I, I digress. Mm. Loki, did you suspect Loki? Yes. Like, from the, from the moment you see him as a child, you've got one who's all, like, you know, blonde oh. hair, and like, I will smite them, Father, and the other one who's, like, silent, like a sort of still statue. And they're so obviously not brothers from the beginning as well. Mm-mm. They look nothing like their parents. He looks nothing like the parents. The whole thing, and he's so shady, like from the beginning, he's like, oh no, I, I didn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't go after them to their world, should we? Because that would be bad. Yeah, yeah. And the idea that you didn't consider. And then obviously there was the bit, so they go into the Frosty's world to kind of fight them, him and all their, all the, they got the, 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 the three guys and Sif, the woman. Yeah, Sif. And, and, uh, and Loki and Thor, and they all go in like without Odin's knowledge because Odin doesn't want to fight them Odin doesn't want war but Thor's like I want war and he goes into the world and they fight and then someone gets hurt by being touched by the the, the frosties because the ice is like burning uh, but then Loki doesn't get hurt when he gets touched by the ice so that's where you're like well there's something suspicious here obviously hmm. and they might want to investigate this one and that was a really chaotic scene it was kind of cool did you know that so the the king frosty like we're jumping ahead of ourselves but i'll get this fact in now um he is the father of loki in this story in the original legends loki's parent is a, a frost giant but it's the mother not the father yeah because isn't that doesn't that mirror kind of some stuff with the bible with like isn't there an ice giant and that's what narnia woman is based on oh i don't know actually I yeah, I feel like that's a common trope in the Bible world and all the religious world. There was like, it's a female ice giant and she's Eve, Lilith. Her name's Lilith. Lilith? Yeah, I'm sure it is. They actually kept very true to the, the original legends. Like, really, really yeah. Well. They, um, and Sif is, in some legends, Thor's wife, which I don't know if they'll weave that into future films, but yeah. She did have a little bit of a, like, misty look at him every now and then and... She looks a little bit like bummed out when she's like, he's missing Natalie Portman. And she's close to the Queen as well. Um, and yeah. you know, I, I got the impression the Queen's like, oh, I've only thought could shack up with this excellent warrior woman here, please. Born Sif, my, my dream daughter-in-law. <laughs> so yeah, um, they go have a massive battle with the Frost Giants without Odin's knowledge. Um, and then when they come back, Odin's absolutely furious and banishes Thor from the lands. And yeah. then he curses the hammer um, to so, so that only someone who is worthy can like pick it up. Is it a curse? I guess it's, well, it, he puts a spell on it. It's kind of, it keeps it safe because it stops mm-hmm. anyone else picking up and causing yeah, it. Yeah, I know, any, any, anyone, like, anyone like, say, Loki could pick it up and just exactly. use it. That'd be bad. And that's how the hammer ends up in the ground. Oh, what's the hammer called? Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Mjolnir, which made me laugh because I immediately thought of some like Cornish Cornish farmer talking Mm -hmm. about his cow. That's Mjolnir. 
<laughs> Five points a day. We all need her. I like that Kat Dennings' character is always like, it's the Mew Mew. <laughs> she can't say it. It's the Mew Mew. There were a lot of words in this where I was, I was like, what? Like, oh, what was the name of the ice world? It was something Heim. Everything was something Heim. Jogenheim, yo, yo, wasn't it? Jogenheim, Guggenheim, Five and Dime, Lemon yeah. and Rhyme, Rhythm and Rhyme. <laughs> so yeah, that's how Thor ends up in the real world and how he, he ends up slamming into the side of Natalie Portman's van. Yeah, and, and thank God they explained all of that after he'd already slammed into the car. Yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. They connected it up quite quickly, though, so that was quite good. It's, although it started off a bit rocky, I did like that they connected that, like, mm. within the first half an hour or so. Yeah, I just feel like they didn't need to, but I guess he wanted to get in that very clunky line where <laughs> Stella Skarsgård's like, you're an astrophysicist, not a storm chaser. And you're like, she's an astrophysicist, I got it, I got it nailed. But also, he says, you're an astrophysicist, not a storm chaser, so why is she chasing the storm? Well, in it, well, I think that's what he's saying. He's like, "Why are you chasing the storm? You're an astrophysicist." But why is she chasing the storm in the first place? That's my question as well. Oh well, she's a dreamer. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. She was checking some like one. She was right to. I mean, she found something cool. Oh, um, before we go into like the real world events, so the dialogue in Asgard was horrendous, and yeah. I'm shocked that someone was actually paid to say this. And I actually found on IMDb my favorite bit of dialogue. I did kind of enjoy the campiness and the clunkiness of it, but at the same time, sometimes I just win. So this is where Thor says to them, my friends, have you forgotten all that we have done together? Thandral, Hogan, who led you into the glorious battles? And they go, you did. And then he says, and Volstag, who introduced you to delicacies so succulent you thought you died and gone to Valhalla? And he goes, you did. He says, and who proved wrong all who scoffed at the idea that a young maiden could be one of the fiercest warriors this realm has ever known? And Sif goes, I did. <laughs> and I'm like, someone wrote this. Yeah, you, it's so Kenneth Branagh though, isn't it? It's a poor man's Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry. It is, that's what I'm saying. I was like, the whole thing feels like Lord of the Rings, but not well done. Yeah, yeah. I, there were some, some lines just made me go, oh, Clunk, you can hear the cogs of the of the Marvel machine just going clunk, 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 something stuck in here. You know, it's interesting because a lot of the critics, when it first came out, said they didn't like the bit where he's on our planet. They liked it when it was up there on Asgard and all. Mm. And I disagree because I feel like you kind of need the human element to ground it and make the contrast more. I actually, I think they did way too much Asgard and not enough human Earth. Yeah. I think they needed to swap it around a little bit completely. I, I think they should have gone full Enchanted with it. It is like Enchanted. Because there's a few really funny scenes where Thor's adapting to Earthworld. And he, there's the one where he goes into the pet shop and he's like, I demand a horse. And I thought that was really funny. That and was the, good, right? And the one in the cafe where he drinks the coffee and he goes, another one. And he's like, smashes the glass. Um, and then, then he like walks out into the road and doesn't try to concentrate on the cars or anything. I think they should have done more of that and had that kind of really endearing, funny quality to it. Yeah, because that's when you begin to like him, because he's not a very likable character to begin with. No, but I, I mean, I like that he wasn't likable because he's, he's, he's a total idiot, basically. Yeah. Like, we must fight. We must fight at all times. A meathead. He is a meathead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he arrives on Earth, he slams into the side of Natalie Portman's van, and then he's en he ends up in hospital, 
Um, I like that she keeps hitting him with the van. She, hit, yeah. she hits him again like, later on, doesn't she? And then he wakes up and he's like fighting the nurses. And I thought that was really funny. He could have ended up in an asylum. There would be like a really dark alternative world where he just ends up in a padded room. Yeah. And never comes out. Oh, and the hammer. So lots of people have found the hammer. Lots of like um, slack-jawed yokel kind of people have found the hammer and they're trying to get it out, but they can't. And Stan Lee tries to get it out, but he can't. Mm-hmm. He spotted him. He was, I spotted him. He even got a line, so it's kind of easy to spot him that time. True, um, true. And then Natalie Portman and her mates are starting to realise that this guy is not, like, of this world because they see, like, an image of him coming out of some kind of wormhole in the sky, which I guess links to the astrophysicist part of her. Yeah, and I'd like to say, they have this physical evidence of him falling from the sky, and yet Stellan Skarsgård is still like, as if he's a god. It makes no sense. It's Why was he in the sky? <laughs> Why else would he be up there? It would make no sense for him to be up in the sky unless there was some otherworldly reason. But he's like very anti it. I like that little bit where she was like, oh, this, I can't remember. She quotes someone and he's like, who wrote, Arthur C. Clarke. And they're like, who wrote science fiction? And she's like, which preceded science fact. I was like, I wrote, I wrote the quote down. I like this quote. Magic is just science that we don't understand yet. True. It's Which true. is very, it's 100% true. Like people thought science was magic and they, that's how they ended up with superstitions and stuff, isn't it? Exactly. Let's talk about um, Natalie Portman's character, Jane. What do you, what, what's your thoughts on her? So I was just talking about this before, well, a little while ago this morning. And I, I think she is a cool character, but her whole character is the fact that she's a scientist. Mm. And I think the only reason she feels more developed than Pepper is that Natalie Portman is a really endearing actress. Like she'll do that like really lovely giggle that like lights up her face. Mm. Or I don't know. Like I feel like I'm more drawn to Natalie Portman and her portrayal, but she's not she's a very flat character. There was potential there in that she's a scientist and they dressed her as, you know, a real sort of on the road scientist mm. in the sort of the plaid shirt and the gilet and that sort of thing. But then she still got like perfect Natalie Portman hair. And makeup. And makeup, full face of makeup all times. Yeah. And, um, and she, they, they make sure that, that, that you know she's a scientist because she keeps walking around with a book. She's always oh, yeah. reading a book. And she's Belle. She's Belle from Beauty and Research. She's <laughs> clever. She reads books. She reads books. But then the, the most sort of scientific thing she says is, oh, look, look, there's a picture of a man in space here. He must have come out of a wormhole. Well, she does also point out the constellations of move. But again, I think that's the sort of science I could do and I'm not scientifically trained. I'd be like, Orion's not here. <laughs> Where is he? I actually think I, there's so many improvements I would make with this because I think there's so much potential in Thor as a concept. So they'd have Asgard as just so ridiculous and so insanely Lord of the Ringsy, so that when he comes to Earth, there's more comic scenes of him trying to fit in. Then Jane, I would characterise as a real, like hands-on she's sort of covered in sort of dust and stuff she wouldn't be as glamorous as that Natalie Portman can obviously still play her like but I'd give her I do what Hollywood usually does to to uh, like non-leading females is I'd give her some glasses mm-hmm. and I'd give her the Hermione Granger hair from the Philosopher's Stone nice. and I would and you know she'd be a bit more sort of Laura Dern in Jurassic Park yeah I was gonna say Ellie in Jurassic Park is the kind of Scientist who you believe is a scientist because she feels very he- real. And the stuff she's saying doesn't feel like she's saying it to be... She's not acting at being a scientist. She feels like a scientist. She'll be and, like, and she wouldn't be 
like a perfect model looking kind of person. She'd be more, much more everyday average person mm. that you could identify with. She'd be really socially awkward as well and just lives for her work and stuff like that. And then Thor comes along as this sort of perfect big sort of like Greek statue kind of man. But he really likes her because he's, you know, noble and he's chivalrous and stuff. And the, that kind of relationship would be, and they do kind of do a bit of that, but they, I just don't think they went far enough with it and had a, like a more comedic but sweeter tone to it. Big love. It's a massive improvement on Pepper, but um, still like not quite there with terms of female character development. Mm. Pepper, Pepper Potts, is, bless her, is still is out there somewhere struggling to keep the business together. But Natalie Portman's, you know, chasing storms and being quite successful in it. Yeah, she's doing her job. She's made friends. She's got Stellan. He's like her father figure type person. It's because she needs a father figure. She needs a male character to guide yeah, her. Mm. She does. She couldn't possibly be guided by like a cool Sigourney Weaver character. Or on her own. That would be good too. Even more controversial. I love the bit where she's in her trailer. She's like, oh, I never have guests here. And she like hides a bowl of half-eaten cereal in a cupboard. Yeah, the ultimate symbol of loneliness. Yeah. <laughs> I eat cereal <laughs> for dinner. <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't do the washing up, but you know, she's good with stars and constellations. Yeah, and, and picking out different plaid shirts. <laughs> she's got um, but yeah, they, they realise that Thor is someone interesting to them. They, they, so they help him to get out of the hospital. Um, it's quite, sorry, it's quite interesting when like, she hits him with the car mm. and they don't try and make her like a warm person. She's like, I'm focused on the stars. And they're like, we need to take this man to hospital. She's like, He's fine. He'll be fine. She's yeah. not really... yeah. I thought that was good. I liked that kind of character element to her. Yeah, it was quite nice, wasn't it? Because normally you'd be like, oh no, I'm so gypsy. I hit you with my car. Let me just help you up. I am just a female lead. Oh. <laughs> my, defined by my clumsiness. That's my scientist nature coming up. May as well have Zoe Deschanel do it. <laughs> yeah, so it. Or, um, I don't know, Sarah Jessica Parker or someone oh, like Oh, no. Yeah, no, to be like, I'm still 27. Woo! <laughs> oh, SJP. That would be a really interesting love interest for Marvel, actually. And then, in, meanwhile, in Asgard, um, Anthony Hopkins has revealed to Loki that Loki's father is the King of the, Frosty the Snowman. Laughing. And then, and then Odin suddenly, like, collapses and nearly I love with Odin, I love that his last name is Allfather because he's like, I'm the dad. And then when he falls into this coma, they're like, Odin sleep. He's in Odin sleep at the moment. Odin sleep. I'm like, so he's asleep. <laughs> just he's asleep. Odin sleep. <laughs> so they just put Odin in front of everything to make it his. Yeah, like, you know, they could Odin nap. That's when he's just having a little, little mini nap. But this is an Odin sleep. So we don't know when he's going to get up. Odin sword. <laughs> So he falls asleep. I feel like it's narcolepsy. He just uses it to get out of difficult conversations. I mean, he's, he's obviously an old man. Like, sometimes this just happens to the elderly and, you know, the healthcare system needs to take care of them. And by healthcare system, I mean his queen, who all she fucking does is just sit there by his bed and be all mournful. And I'm like, do you go to the toilet at any point? Do you go read a book? She's do you a go... God. Does she need to use a toilet? I don't know. Do gods use the toilet? I don't know. Ooh, there's never you never see a toilet in Asgard. She was the the queen was a pathetic character. Oh, she frankly. was. She well, she sits by his bed. She has one attempt at a sword fight, which fails miserably. And I just think they could have done a lot better with that. Anyway, back on Earth, 
So we're flipping between the two quite a bit here. Um, they, Thor and Natalie Portman find out about the hammer in the desert and Thor wants to go get it, but Natalie, and he is gonna go and Natalie Portman's like, I can't go, I have my work here. And then Phil Coulson turns up and takes all her stuff and Natalie Portman's like, I don't have my work here, I'll go with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had to give her a little push. I quite like that she's so easily persuaded. It's like, which man will she listen to? Chris Hemsworth or Stellan Skarsgård? Cause... <laughs> she doesn't have to flip a coin there, does she? Yeah. So think... why, why does Phil Coulson take her stuff? I know. Don't you think S.H.I.E.L.D. come across like absolute, like the bad guys in this film? Yeah, interestingly. I found it interesting. Because the thing is, they take all her stuff. Because, and I assumed it was because they want to like, suppress her research because they know about Thor coming to Earth. But then when Thor turns up to get his hammer back, they don't know about him. They're like, oh, who's this guy? He seems yeah. And And it's, they're like, oh, is it one of Stark's people? And Phil Coulson says, oh, he never tells me anything or something like that. I don't know. I guess they're just bad American government cover-up situation. They even say, we're the good guys. And I was like, you're, you don't seem like it. You shouldn't have to say you're the good guys. And at no point in the film did they make it clear that they're the good guys. They're just like, we're the good guys. And I'm like, yeah, the Nazis said that too. Yeah, you the good guy. Like, okay. <laughs> That's exactly what a bad guy pretending to be a good guy would say. We're the good guys. And they're kind of rude as well because they give her money. They're like, oh, buy some more shit. And she's like, well, I made it all myself. And he's like, then you can make more. And I was <laughs> like, no, Philip, you make more. And she very stupidly is like, this notebook is all I have. And then they just snatch this notebook out of her hand while she's <laughs> waving it. And I'm like, go, like, bury it somewhere. <laughs> don't be like, oh, my diary, just put it in your bra. I don't know, find it. Oh, and there was a really cool moment where Stellan Skarsgård is like, oh, you know, I heard about this other guy who was a victim of a government cover-up. He, like, found something that made it, that did something to his blood. It was like a radiation in his blood. I was like, that's Bruce Banner. Nice I one. Did. I had that in my quiz. I'll strike that from the list. But yeah, he was oh. like, oh, they're my old colleagues. And I, yeah. I've already got a question right on the quiz. That's a point to me. You can have a point. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and then back in Asgard. So, oh yeah, um, Loki is now the new king of Asgard while Odin is like rest sleeping in Odin. They didn't, didn't announce it though, did they? Because everyone walks in thinking Odin's going to be there and he's just like, what up bitches, I'm king. But all like Thor's friends are like, you must bring Thor back. And Loki's like, mm, I'm not going nah, to. I'm not going to. He is the ultimate dick move, really, isn't he? Obviously. I mean, yeah, and I, I was talking about this to Chris. I was like, he technically, his brother hasn't done anything to him. Mm. Apart from being exactly. slightly irritating meathead brother, but it's not like, oh, I'm going to go emotionally cripple you on another planet. This, this, I guess, we'll deal with a bit later on, but that I was kind of thinking, well, you know, it, it, Thor is already banished and disowned by Odin. So if you allow Thor to come back, you're you're still Loki is still the one to take the throne surely because Thor is like disowned by Odin Odin will not want Thor as king no, so, but his mum's all like oh Odin does everything for a reason so I think it kind of puts it in his head like oh no obviously yeah he's not gonna put me on the throne because I'm and I guess with the with the knowledge that his father is the is Frosty the snowman yeah then there is that kind of difficulty of that is a bit of a tricky situation there that I do not wish to get into legal aspects of. <laughs> tricky situation indeed. A very tricky family domestic squabble. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get it in the crown, do you? No, you do. Well, you, well, you do. <laughs> but not to this extent. Um, and then they had this uh, fight scene where Thor um, tries to get the hammer back and he gets all covered in mud and water. And I'm like, nice excuse to get him covered in mud and water. 
can't pick it up and he falls to his knees in a very dramatic superhero language and that's when they go who are you and it's like he's going in his head I don't know who I am because I don't have my hammer do you think when um men audition for superhero parts uh, they go into the audition room and all they have to do is just go down on the floor and go no yeah and women just put on a nice outfit and go oops (laughs) I I knocked something over my bad (laughs) I crashed someone with my car I'm so I'm I'm clever but not in real life (laughs) yes this is actually meaning I should probably have my license taken away from me I've done it three times now and Jeremy Renner was there yes that was on my quiz too I'm winning at this quiz already you are but do you know why that's relevant do you know who he is later no I know that he's in it because I've seen him on posters so he, he becomes Hawkeye. 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 Yeah. As in hawk and eye. Eye. Yeah. Okay. Like a bird eye. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so that's why he picks up his little sniper bow. Mm. But then again, this is a bit like Natasha when you were like, what's her superpower? And I was like, she's just really good at fighting. Similar situation. Right. So he's just, her, her superpower is that she's Scarlett Johansson and Jeremy Renner's superpower is that he's Jeremy Renner. Yeah, pretty much. And I, I was sort of like, who decides that you are Hawkeye? Do you decide I'm really good at a bow and arrow, so I'm going to call myself Hawkeye? Because that kind of makes you a dick. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it, yeah, it's a bit egotistical of him. Yeah. Like, I'm really good at this, so I'm calling myself Hawkeye. And I think I should be an Avenger. And they're like, well, no, that's not how life works. You have are, you a- ma- are you magic like all the other Avengers? No, you're not. No, but I can shoot really well with this this thing and they're like mm, I guess you can be there maybe as a sort of assistant role it's an assistant <laughs> avenger role he's like yeah. someday, someday I'll be a managing director role yeah <laughs> and then Thor gets arrested by shield because he can't well he can't pick up the hammer and he's all devastated so he stops fighting and then Loki yeah, like I say he doesn't know who he is they're asking him and he's like I don't know who am I no yeah because without without the hammer there's a bit of a phallic symbol, really, isn't it? I, I've taken my great big wielding weapon away. No, I don't know who I am. Exactly, yeah. He has, <laughs> he has no idea who he is without that giant penis hammer. Keep me away from Natalie Portman. I have no use of her now. I mean, Loki comes in wearing mm. human clothes, which is weird. I'm assuming he's a hologram. Well, he'd, he can project himself to another place, can't he? We saw that in the opening fight, that he can sort of appear somewhere, but he's not there. He's... He's really nasty. But I feel that he's, mm. I know obviously he's nasty anyway, but that is where he goes super low. He's like, mum doesn't want you anymore. Dad's dead and he died thinking you didn't love him. He doesn't even like soften it at all. He doesn't go like, dad died, but he knew you loved him. Yeah, he tells him, he tells him Odin died, that's it. But then I think that was a bit of a stupid move of him because he's now angered Thor so much that Thor's going to have more motivation to become worthy, get the hammer and come back to Asgard, surely. Maybe, maybe he knew that all along. Mm. Yeah, I Loki. Maybe Loki is meant to be a bit dim. Like maybe he's meant to make these various mistakes because I feel a, a lot of his moves, his sort of political moves, I'm like, that's not going to work. You're just <laughs> making people hate you even more and more driven towards getting rid of you. Oh, and it, this is also where he reveals that he was the one who let the Frost Giants into Asgard steal the blue glowy thing. And I guess that was all like a sort of super insidious plan to get Thor to go attack the ice people. And then, and that will make Thor look really bad in the eyes of Odin, I guess. It's a bit of a gamble. It's a, it's a massive gamble, isn't it? Because it could have just been that Thor would have been like, oh, well, my party, woohoo, and carried on. Yeah, because Loki doesn't like the ice giants either. He wants to get rid of them too. But he's mischievous. 
<laughs> yes, he's very mischievous. <laughs> they needed some more scenes where Tom Hiddleston goes, oh, ho, 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 like with hands over his mouth, like giggling. And I think maybe they could have built up from like a light prank or two to mm. the extreme pranks that he does play. But they could have done like, oh, a bucket over the, the door for, for when Odin comes in and something like that, a whoopee cushion on his mum's chair. Like a, like a Home Alone kind of thing, where he's got yeah. like some, the, the floorboards in the entrance hall of the palace are not quite there. So you step on them, you fall down onto broken glass. Ah, that's funny. <laughs> he does what Macaulay Culkin does, where he literally throws a brick from four floors up and it warms the guy on the head. I watched that my sister, who, as you know, is a nurse, and she was just like, every few seconds, like, dead, dead. Yeah, would be. that brick, the, the, that one brick that he throws and it hits him on the forehead. I've, that's, that's a trauma you cannot survive. Anyway, that's the sort of vibe that I think Loki should have had. Yes. A mischievous little blonde boy who's you know, <laughs> protecting his home from burglars. <laughs> I like that. So yeah, Coulson lets Stellan Skarsgård take him, um, but has him followed just in case. Um, which is, I guess, sensible in a way, because he wants to find out more about this Thor guy. And then Thor and Natalie Portman have like a little, I love this scene, they have a little romantic bit where he finally explains these nine realms. Because when they said at the beginning, there's nine realms, I went, oh, fuck me, really? I do <laughs> I have to know all of them? No. And, and, no. And he's going through, he's showing like the tree, and I can't remember what the tree is called, but around the tree is the nine realms. And we are, the earth is one of the nine realms. I had to read a bit about the legends to fully get it, but we are, we are our realm, according to Norse mythology, is called Midgard, and that's one of them. And then there's Asgard, and then Hotenheim and Guggenheim, Five and Diamond, Lemon and Lime, and all of those ones. But what I love about this scene is Natalie Portman's all like, oh, that's so romantic and wonderful. Whereas I, if I was in her position, I'd be like, what are you on about? Yeah. <laughs> draw a tree. That doesn't make it true. Like you she just like, takes They were all connected by a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask any questions because I'm a scientist. I just take things. And meanwhile, so and then back in Asgard, um, Thor's friends and Sif and stuff, they're all gonna go help him. Oh, and they, there's this gatekeeper guy. Idris Elba plays this gatekeeper guy, which I quite enjoyed. I looked up this gatekeeper guy on Wikipedia to find out more about him because he's a real god. And yeah. this is what I read about it. So he's called Heimdall with an R, um, but he possesses the resounding horn, Gahalahorn, <laughs> owns the golden-maned horse, Goldtopper. He has gold teeth and he has nine mothers. Maybe one from each realm? Mm, yeah, I think I looked up the nine mothers and they're, they're more like a symbolic thing. So I don't really know what that meant in Norse. But anyway, um, Heimdall is attested as possessing foreknowledge, keen eyesight and hearing, and keeps watch for invaders and the onset of Ragnarok while drinking fine mead in his dwelling. He has a great time, doesn't he? All right, that's the, I want to be that god. Let's, I don't want to be god of gossip anymore. I want to be him. Like He just watches for the end of the world whilst drinking mead. Yeah, but also, if you drop the ball, which he did with the ice giants in the original yeah. opening, you do look back, so you'd be like, well, you were drinking on the job again, weren't you? And he'll be like, oh, yeah, I was. I was drinking the mead. But then Loki finds out that um, his Thor's friends are all going to go help him. So he sends like a big metal giant. Yeah, the destroyer. The dis that's what it's called, is it? Destroyer. Uh, yeah. Okay. And yeah, they have like a big fight. Um, and then Thor is Thor like apologizes to him he does he says like nice things to him which makes him worthy so then the hammer like flies to him I think that hammer flies to him because he chooses to sacrifice himself for his friends that was it yes yes he he says he says the metal giant is coming after him so you guys wait there I'm gonna go die 
And then, I, I quite like that they evacuate the town though. That was nicely done. Yeah, I thought this fight scene was actually quite quite good. I mean, that that's a pretty scary metal dude. He's like the eye of Sauron. He just like. <laughs> well, he looks a bit like Sauron because his face is just like a like he just shoots fire out of his whole face. Yeah, he's like a magnifying glass and with the ants. Yeah. But yeah. I like that their whole thing is like, we must, we must make sure everyone gets out and they run around and make sure everyone's out of town, which is nice. No one normally thinks to do that. Mm, yeah, yeah. They just, they just carry on fighting and yeah. go, my baby, my baby. Oh. But that's nice that he's now a proper Thor. And that, I love the look on Natalie Portman's face when she sees him in full suit. She's like, oof. It's the opposite of what Belle does when he turns into human. Because mm. she's a bit like, eh, Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in this one, she's like, yeah. just bounces on him. <laughs> <laughs> she does. But it would have been so cool if, like, um, Natalie Portman, you know, she's she's a busy scientist, she doesn't sort of look after herself or her life and stuff, but she finds that, like, what she really needs is not just a man, she needs a very literal night god thing. Um, yeah. You should aim high. I think that's the message there. Don't yeah. settle for... Stellan Skarsgård. Not that I think that's ever the, the implication. I think he is meant to be a dev figure, but you shouldn't settle for less. And they want to return to Asgard and defeat Loki, but they can't because the gatekeeper has been frozen. Mm-hmm. Loki has let in Frosty, but Loki also wants to kill Frosty so that Frosty doesn't kill him, I guess. Or his dad. I find this whole thing, I, I was like, is he killing Frosty because he knows Paul's coming back and he's like, oh, I better cover my tracks. Like, what's the deal there? I guess even though Loki is his son, um, the Loki was still part of that group of people who went in to fight them at the very beginning with Thor. So it does, there isn't an alliance between Frosty and, and Loki. It is his literal dad, though. Yeah, but then the, his literal dad doesn't seem to care about that, does he? He doesn't want Loki back or anything, does he? I don't think he knows that Loki, Loki never goes, I'm your son. Does he? He never does. I don't think so, no. I think he's just, I think he wants to get rid of the Frosties because he doesn't want a situation where people know. He yeah. wants to be an Asgardian. Well, that's true. And that's why he wants to wipe out the whole race. Very not cool. Not cool. No. no. Bad Loki. Bad, bad, bad. Um, but then the gatekeeper unfreezes anyway. He manages to get out the ice and helps them get back. Um, Good old Idris. And they, then they have the, the big, big fight. But Thor wants to stop Loki from actually having a war at all. So Thor now doesn't want Loki to kill the Frost Giants because he doesn't want... He, now he's been like, my father was right all along. Why did I not listen to him in all my years of life? And I've been changed by love. Yeah. So then he destroys the Mario Kart Rainbow Road to, to prevent that war from happening. I think yeah, he, I got really lost here. I did. I had no idea what was going on. This was. So I think the way they they open the the Rainbow Mario Kart Road into the giant world, and what it was doing was killing off that world because it was burning through it. Why? I don't know. I don't remember what? why. Because he was just like, "Oh, I'm, I mean, it's killing their world." So he smashes through it to stop that from ha- stop mass genocide. But it also means he has to sacrifice again. So much sacrifice. Sacrifice Natalie Portman because he can't get back to her now. That's true, but then I do. The, then the the Rainbow Road connects the worlds together. I thought. So why would it be burning? Is it too warm? Is this about climate change and it's melting the ice? It didn't really make sense to me. I'm going to look it up. He wants to destroy Jotunheim with the Bifrost Bridge. Yeah, see, I was right. The bridge is going to do it. But I don't really know how it was killing. I think it was just warm. It's it's. I I think this is about climate change. 
Yeah, because I guess if you open a really hot thing in a really cold place for a long time. But Thor, so Thor destroys the Rainbow Road to save the day, let's say. We don't know how this works, but it, it does. Yeah, he stopped it being in the Jugendheim. He, say, he saves the Frost Giants, but then that also severs contact between Asgard and our world, so he can't see Natalie Portman anymore, which is sad, but... He's got, like, he's got Sif. Yeah, but he doesn't want her, does he? She wants him. There's a bit of the meal where, where his mum's like, to Sif, like, what's going on with my son? And you're kind of like, well, ask him yourself. But apparently this is how we do things. And Sif's like, he's grieving the loss of his brother and he misses her. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, once again, you can't have two female characters all working together, I guess. Do they exchange words, Sif and Natalie Portman? Do they talk to each other? I don't think they do. I- I don't believe they do, but Natalie does talk to Darcy, so. Well, there we go, that's all right. He has a female comrade. Mm. And, and Loki sort of lets go of his hand and floats away into space because Loki realises that he can't, he end up like putting in a prison of some kind, I guess. Well, it was very weird because I think you're supposed to be like, oh, he realises his father isn't going to accept him. And I was like, his dad seemed cool a bit. And even, well, I mean, even seeing that bothered when his son fell, he went, no, Loki. <laughs> Like really mild disappointment that his son was dying. Yeah, he sort of just sort of let go and floated away. And do you think anyone else could be worthy of the hammer? Sif would be cool. Sif would yeah, be cool right? having the hammer. Yeah, that'd be good. Or is there like a massive twist and it turns out the queen has the is worthy of the hammer, even though she's done <laughs> nothing of any consequence whatsoever? And then Idris Elba can see Natalie Portman. He can see Natalie Portman, can he? Yeah, because he go like um at the end they go, oh, can you see her? And he's like, yeah. She's trying to figure out a way back to you. And then she breaks the fourth wall and there's a little cheeky smile at the camera. And I'm like, can she see Idris? Or can she see us? Like, what, who's she looking at? Or, or she's just being like, I nearly had sex with a god. <laughs> I kissed him, no, no. <laughs> all my school bullies. I'm going to tell all of them. <laughs> They'll definitely believe me. They won't think I'm crazy. Yeah. Oh, and then it ends and it says, a film by Kenneth Branagh. And I was like, fuck off, Kenneth, Kenneth. I know, he doesn't need to do this, does he? But The absolute just... ego is just disgusting. But he is, he's Gilderoy Lockhart, we've said this. He can't help it, it's in his makeup. Yeah. And then post-credit scene, did you stay? Did you sit yes. for it? Yeah, of course I did, of course. I'm very dedicated to this project. It turns out Loki's, uh, Loki's alive. Yeah. And there was something in a box that Selen Skarsgård now has. I didn't really know what that was. I didn't understand it. It wasn't the best one. The, be- the best part was when Loki t- like, turns up in the mirror and he's like, whoa. <laughs> but it's, it's that mysterious cube he's looking at. Oh, a mysterious cube. There we go. Everything, if something is glowing, a light, and it's a certain, it's a very defined shape, it's an important plot point. So yeah, Thor, I liked the campiness of it. And the, and mm-hmm. the, the clunkiness is not necessarily a bad thing, but I, I just think they should have gone further with it. They should have had, they should have had less of Asgard and more of Thor struggling with the real world. Yeah. Developed Natalie Portman's character a bit more and just made it like a really endearing kind of enchanted style. I think they're trying to ease you in there. Cause if you think about how they've done it so far, Iron Man, very grounded, normal person. Mm. Then it was Hulk. He's a little bit weirder. And this one's like completely plunges you into a whole new concept because later on there are there's more like oh space more weirdness coming up. Right. So I think it's like a toe in the water. I think they needed to be funnier. I think the problem is they had Kenneth Branagh as a director. He's very serious. I don't know where he's done comedy. Has he done comedy? 
Oh, no, I don't think so. No, so I think he probably needs someone funny. He's done Shakespearean comedies, but they don't count because they're not funny. Shall we do a quiz quiz? Go on then. I mean, you've already bloody answered a few other questions. So. I am so good. I'm getting better at spotting things now. Okay, well, this one is always your, one of your favourites. How much do you think it made worldwide? 300 million. Higher. Ooh, 400 million. A little bit higher, 449.3 million. Mmm, a goodly sum. Um, and what percentage do you think it holds on Rotten Tomatoes? Ooh, now, I remember Hulk was pretty low. With, so that had like 67% or something, which is quite low on Rotten Tomatoes. And then the Iron Man was sort of in the middle of the 80s. I'm going to go with like 79. Ooh, so close, 77. Ooh, no, I'm getting better at predicting Rotten Tomatoes. You are. What would you give it? I give it, well, I give it about the same. Mm. Um, what? part did tom hiddleston originally audition for he auditioned for thor yeah but do you know what i like this story so him and kenneth branner were doing a play together and it got announced that branner was going to be directing mm. so tom hiddleston ran in drunk holding this big water cooler as a hammer and was like what do you think ken um and ken obviously thought no <laughs> and gave him loki and do you know who else auditioned for the part and nearly got it who was their next choice the part of thor yeah. Uh, was it Liam Hemsworth? It was Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> but Liam Hemsworth got Hunger Games, so. And Miley Cyrus for a while. And Miley Cyrus. <laughs> and a Pyrrhic victory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and Tom Hiddleston compared his role to a famous Shakespeare character. I've only done this because you did Shakespeare at uni. Mm. Um, which one do you think it was? It's going to be someone villainous, but kind of amusing at the same time Falstaff? No, not Falstaff. I'll tell you King Lear's Edmund uh, Oh! So he's the illegitimate son of the Earl of Gloucester yeah. of his brother Edgar and tricked his father into banishing him into exile, which seems pretty accurate as a read I would Speaking say. Of the plays, Kenneth Branagh, Ken, um, based the film in his head on another Shakespeare play. Midsummer Night's Dream? No, Henry V only because yep. you already made a Henry V. Oh, I know, but it's like young king, trials, tribulations, war, girl from another land. Kenneth Branagh can't win with me. Kenneth Branagh cannot win. He's just like, anything he does, he could like solve world, he could create world peace. And I'd be like, ugh, Kenneth Branagh, ugh. You were going to say solve world peace. Like the world solve world peace. peace, solve the issue of world peace. <laughs> That's been solved. We need to unsolve it, really. <laughs> um, which scene did Anthony Hopkins famously improvise? Is it the scene where he collapses? <laughs> no, I'd love that. He just falls asleep because he doesn't <laughs> know what to do. improvised. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, the banishment. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, so apparently Kenneth Brown was like, improvise your reaction when Thor yells at you. And he was like, all right. And then apparently, <laughs> I find this so, I can't really deal with it because it's so lovely. But apparently when he finished, many of the cast and crew were sobbing. No, they were. That's that's bollocks. That's such a lie, isn't it? That is such a lie. That's that's the cast and crew being like, well, if if I say this to Anthony Hopkins, he'll have contacts. Maybe I can get a bigger part in another film with him. Well, apparently Hiddleston later was like to Hopkins, like, amazing work. And then Hopkins was like, Ken's fantastic, isn't he? And it's like, no, no, because he just said, do what you want. I don't think that counts as being a director. I'm not just rolling my eyes. I'm rolling my head. I'm rolling my entire body. This kind of sycophancy is gross i cannot stand it Jeez. um well you've already said about stan lee you spotted him and you've already said about agent barton and you've already said about hulk so that's three questions done and um, which part did stan lee want did he want to be like one of the nurses that thor beats up no no 
tell me, I don't know. He wanted to beat Odin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know. It's like, mm, Stan, I don't think so. And then how long do you think the closing credits took to make? Um, a long time. Three it's months. 18 months. 18 months on closing credits. That's according to Ken. Because he was like, oh yeah, we use... It's probably a lie. Yeah, all these images from the Hubble Space Telescope. Oh, he, is that what it was? He went really into this, didn't he? It's, there's no point getting actual images of real space because Asgard is not in real space. It's in fake space. I know. Mm. I want to, I, this isn't a question, but I was going to read you the Anthony Hopkins relating to Odin quotes. I think you'll like it. Mm. So he said, I'm a little like Odin myself. He's a stern man and a man with purpose. And I play the God who banishes the son from Asgard because he's screwed up. I'm harsh and my wife complains. And I say, that's why I'm king. I mean, I don't know why he relates to that. Has he done it before? I, 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 I worry for any man who relates to that. Yeah. He's like, oh, I don't know. Imagine if he said he related to his, you know, Hannibal role. That'd be worse. I, I was thinking that. I, yeah, that, that would be even more worrying, I guess, actually. I'd rather he related to Odin than to Hannibal Lecter. And then my last question. Who directed the end credits scene? As in the post credits scene? Yeah, yeah, the little one at the end. I don't know who did. Joss Whedon of Buffy fame. Who is involved in the Avengers films, Yes. Well, he's not just involved. He's the director of Avengers Assemble, so... Well, so he is involved. (laughs) I would say more than involved. (laughs) Take your pedantry elsewhere. No, I refuse. So there we go. So what's next? It's Avengers next, isn't it? I thought it was Captain America next. Oh, yeah, Captain America. I forgot about Captain America. I've got another superhero to get to know. It is Captain America, the first Avenger. And it was... um, Because I've got a list here to make sure everything's in order... So Thor and Captain America were both released in 2011. Thor in May 2011, Captain America in July 2011. So very close together. Yeah, that is very close together. I guess they're building up because they really want the Avengers Assemble situation. The the next year, May 2012, is Avengers Assemble, the first crossover. Anything I should know before going into Captain America? You could take some time to reflect on what the phrase the first Avenger means. I will be. I'm very interested in that, definitely. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's my I look, forward, I look forward to talking about it next time. Yeah, Captain America First Adventure. You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Version. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Version. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune into the next fact filled episode. because these comic books were written so like in the 50s so mm. all the love interests are called like Jane and Betty and it's not like sort of sexy sounding names of today they, they were made in the very early 20th century it will be Gertrude Doris exactly <laughs> Doris Agatha Maybe. Ethel <laughs> Mildred Agnes all the names in the worst witch series yeah, oh my god yeah